Well, this is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Let me ask you a question. How many times must Russian officials tell the American people that the Russian strategic nuclear forces will unleash its fury on the United States of America? Few Americans are aware of the very serious warnings. Even among those who have heard or read the threats, there is not much concern that Moscow may actually carry out a surprise first strike on American cities. For the record, books in heaven, I will repeat the warnings again to the American people so that their blood is not on my hands on Judgment Day. Doc Burkhardt is here with me. That's what I feel like I'm doing, Doc. I'm repeating it one more time. Just so goes in the record books. That's all, Doc. I'm putting it in the record books in heaven. Rick Wiles told them again and again and again and again. I don't know what else to say. I'm going to tell you what the Russians are saying. For some of you, it goes in one ear, it goes out the other. Others, you're taking it very seriously. and You're changing the way you live each day. Yes. You're making spiritual adjustments in your life. And then there are others that are laughing at it. Laughing. Let's go with the first one with Mir. So this is from uh, the Mir in the uh, uh, UK. And this is what they're seeing and hearing in Russia right now. Russian state TV is claiming that World War III has started as Britain sends arms to Ukraine. A Kremlin TV propagandist has claimed World War III has already begun and claims Russia's task now is to demilitarize NATO. Russia one anchor Olga Skabieva is seen on video claiming that the much vaunted Russian special military operation in Ukraine is now over. The West provision of arms to Ukraine meant it was now a global conflict, she said, as Russia's enemy showcased new British Wolfhound heavy tactical support vehicles. All right, so let's keep it right here on the screen. Let's analyze what this Russian TV, all right, they're, they're describing her as a propagandist. Well, right. I guess so is uh, everybody on CNN and Fox News. They're, they're American propagandists. Yeah. Let's just say a Russian television news anchor woman or yes. commentator. She said the Third World War has already started. Well, we're in agreement. That's what we've been saying here. But look at this, Doc. She's saying the task now for Russia is not to uh, denazify Ukraine. But to demilitarize to, to NATO. To demilitarize NATO, remove the weapons of NATO. She said the Russian military operation in Ukraine is now over. That's not what the American uh, and Western media is reporting. They're reporting that uh, Putin is crazy, he's sick, uh, the Russian soldiers are ready to mutiny, they're, they're frustrated, nothing has gone right. She's saying, no, we're, we're wrapping it up, and now we're turning our attention to NATO. Well, and I don't think she's saying ramping it up, uh, uh, you know, wrapping it up. They're ramping it up, if you will, Rick, because well, she goes saying, on to she's say. She's saying that you, the, the battle in Ukraine is over. Right. But yeah. now where it's going is to demilitarize NATO. And it's hinged on this provision of providing military hardware to Ukraine. Yes. In that very last sentence there. 
Uh, now, the UK has supplied British Wolfhound heavy tactical support vehicles to the fight. At what point is Russia going to say, enough, UK, enough, NATO, we're going to change our uh, doctrine at this point? And she goes on to say, it's time to admit, perhaps, that Russia's special operation in Ukraine is now over, said Skabayeva, in the sense that a real war has started, World War III. We are being forced to uh, demilitarize not just Ukraine, but NATO as a whole. So right on uh, TV, this is what the Russians are seeing, that they, from their perspective, they're in World War III. Yes, and their enemy is NATO. Right. And NATO now, means all of the allied countries that make up the uh, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and that includes the United States of America and Canada. So. If, if we're in World War III with Russia, uh, we're going to be the recipients of Russian warheads. And she goes on to explain that as well. It goes on, why am I talking about this? It was not only smirch uh, multi-launch rocket systems with cluster munitions that struck Donetsk. The strikes were carried out with American M77 howitzers. And so now we've tied the UK and their equipment and the US and their equipment. And from the Russians' perspective, this is a direct attack on them because of the military hardware that Ukraine is using. All right. Um, the next one, um, Russian state media claims four missiles and there'll be nothing left of the United States. Well, Rick, and once again, this was on Russian TV as well. Russian state media has warned that Vladimir Putin has enough ammunition to wipe out the entire US with just four missiles. Alexei Yurovlev, a uh, Russian politician and a member of the State Duma told Yevgeny Popov, a talk show host on Russia One Channel, that there will be nothing left of the entire East and West Coast. I'll completely tell, competently tell you that to destroy the entire East Coast of the U.S., two Sarmat missiles are necessary and two missiles for the West Coast, he said. Four missiles, there will be nothing left. They think the mushroom cloud will be taller than a high-rise. That mushroom cloud will be visible from Mexico. I actually have a clip of him making the statement on Russian TV the other night, Rick. Let's watch this. Я вам скажу компетентно, абсолютно, что на уничтожение всего восточного побережья Соединенных Штатов нужно две ракеты Сармат. Две. Точно столько же и на западном. Четыре ракеты. Все, там не будет ничего. Не надо рассказывать, что вот этот гриб будет выше небоскреба. Он будет виден из Мексики у вас этот гриб. Вы что, ребят, смешные такие, они чем пользуются вообще? Вопрос в другом, что они доводят, они пытаются довести до всего, да? Повышают ставки. Повышают. А мы что, должны сказать, ой, не, ни в коем случае только не это. Ну так что ли, или что? Вы собираетесь, если мы... Не а мы должны а не мы объяснять, говоря простым А мы языком. не ведемся, мы просто им объясняем, что, ребят, вы неправильно считаете. Считать надо вот так, а не по-другому. Не, не надо себя в иллюзии тешить. Ничего там не будет. Вот что надо говорить, объяснять. Никто это, так сказать, никаких иллюзиях не питает. Now, when he's talking about that mushroom cloud being seen from Mexico, he's talking about the Sarmat missiles, the Satan missiles, which have like a 30, 45,000 foot mushroom cloud that, uh, you know, results from and some as high as 100,000. And there are multiple warheads right. in each missile. That's why he's saying two missiles on each coast, because each missile carries multiple warheads. Um, 
just imagine tonight you're watching Fox News or CNN or MSNBC here in America, and they're talking about striking Russian cities and taking them out. Okay, that's what the Russian people are seeing each night while they're watching television news. They're hearing talk about destroying the United States of America because of what America and NATO are doing to Russian troops in Ukraine. You might say, well, that's not right. That's, uh, they got it wrong. Well, it doesn't matter, does it? That's what they think. Yes. And they're thinking about nuking us. I don't know how to get it across to people. And do we have a divine shield over this country anymore? Is there a divine shield over America anymore? Why would there be? Right. What, what gives us the right to claim that God protects us? Are, are we righteous? Are we obedient? Are we moral? Do we care about what God says? None of those things. No. Why, why would God shield us? That's the question that I've been asking, Doc. And, um, and you might say, well, Rick, there, there are millions of born-again Christians in America. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm one of them. You're one of them. Well, God's not going to let us be nuked. Why? You're saved. Your body may burn up, but your soul won't burn up. Right. Okay, you have to deal with this. You have to deal with the possibility that we're all going to be vaporized. Our bodies are going to be vaporized. Our soul will not be vaporized. Our soul will be received into the presence of the Lord, but our bodies will be vaporized by a Russian attack. This has not gotten through to the American people yet. It's the same trap that the uh, ancient Israelites fell into, thinking that they were chosen, therefore nothing could, you know, nothing could destroy them. We think we're chosen, we yeah. think we're special. In fact, they, they go to the, they'd go to the temple and shout, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. The temple, the temple, the temple, you mm -hmm. know? And God said, stop doing that. Stop going there and, and saying the temple, the temple, the temple, thinking your attendance at the temple is going to save you. Temple attendance didn't matter to God. Righteousness does. And that's where a lot of American church members are. They think, well, I go to church every week. I'm going to be safe. You'll be safe in the arms of the Lord, but your body will be vaporized. This is what we're facing, Doc. Let's take a look at what else. So uh, this story from Reuters. So this is about ready to just jump up a whole nother level here. Russian lawmakers suggest kidnapping NATO defense minister in Ukraine. So this, uh, first of all, it proves that there are NATO representatives in Ukraine. All right, so we know that's happening right now. But the fact that the Russian lawmakers are suggesting that we actually kidnap a NATO defense minister, that would take crank things up to a whole new level, wouldn't it? It sure would. Um, NATO's in Ukraine. Let's be clear about and that. And U.S. and British military advisors and commandos are in Ukraine. Yes. Who do you think is training the Ukrainian soldiers how to use the weapons that we're sending there? The Ukrainian army doesn't have training in these weapons. American, British, and other NATO military advisors are on the ground in Ukraine training the Russian, uh, training the Ukrainian soldiers and also directing where yes. uh, they should hit the Russians. 
So uh, America and other NATO countries are actively participating in the war. They, might, they may not be actually firing. Well, some we of them are. We don't know about that. Uh, but, you know, for the... Just give the mainstream press the credit there as far as saying, you know, that American troops aren't firing guns. We don't have boots on the ground, but we've got borrowed boots on the ground. We've got military contractors there. We've got, quote, volunteers, unquote, that are there on the ground. And NATO does have a presence in Ukraine. At what point are we going to have to say, if it, once again, if it was Mexico and there were representatives of... Uh, of, of the Russian alliance in Mexico on a day-to-day -day basis advising the Mexican cartels on how to attack and kidnap the uh, U.S. Uh, you know, uh, defense secretary. Right. That's the same thing, right? We would send in troops to get them. Yes. Um, Doc, I, I, I would like you to read, just for the sake of my, uh, my voice, I'm still, still dealing with a, a little bit of... Uh, throat irritation. I feel fine, but it's just some throat irritation. And, but I, I, want, I want to uh, read Ezekiel 33. This is a verse, uh, a chapter that has been a hallmark of this ministry since 1998. Uh, God laid this on my heart in 1998, and I've never, I've never taken my eyes off of it. I know why I'm here. I know why I've been doing this, uh, this program every single day since uh, May 24, 1999. And it's, you can find it in Ezekiel 33. This is what makes me get up and do it again and again and again, no matter how many times I'm slandered, def defamed, lied about, attacked. Uh, I just come back and I do it again because of Ezekiel 33. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast, and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet, and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, if the sword come, and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come, and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. That's why I do this program every day for over 23 years. Because on Judgment Day, I'm going to be able to stand and face the Lord and say, Father, look, my hands are clean. There's no blood on my hands. I told the people and I told them over and over and over to repent and return to you. And I told them that if they didn't repent and return to you, there would be an army that would be sent against America. And, and so I'm continuing to issue this warning, even though a lot of people just write it off and just say, you've been saying the same things for 20 some years. Yes. The message yes. is still the same. I, 
for 20 some years I, I was telling the American people, someday the Russians are gonna nuke us. Now, in 2022, the Russians are telling us we're gonna nuke you. So it's not me saying someday it's gonna happen. Now the Russians are saying, we're ready to do it. And Doc, I, I don't know how we get through this year without being nuked. If we do, it is the grace of God that he gives us time into 2023, but I have never, ever seen such dire warnings coming from Russia that they are mad and they're ready for revenge. And publicly acknowledging it. Yes. That's the big thing. We have some more scriptures from Ezekiel 33. Picking up verse 7. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. See, to be truthful, there's, I have some um, selfish motive in continuing to issue this warning. That's my own preservation. Yes. Because the Spirit of the Lord laid upon my heart in 1998 the Lord's calling to tell the American people to repent or face uh, great devastation. And uh, so for my own self-preservation, I'm continuing to warn because I don't want anybody's blood on my hands. I'm doing it, I mean, I'm doing it because I love people and I want them to turn and, and be saved, but I'm also doing it out of the fear of the Lord that he would hold me responsible for not saying it. And when somebody knows, and somebody knows that the Lord has told them to issue a warning and they don't do it out of fear of what people will say. Doc, one time, happened here in Vero, I had a group of pastors together in our building and um, I shared with them the vision that the Lord gave me in 1998 when I was right. at TBN. And I told them, you know, uh, I gave them Ezekiel 33. And I, These are local pastors. Oh, it got quiet. Oh, it got really quiet. Uh, I cleared that room out so fast. <laughs> we were having a great meeting until I told them that part. Then everybody had something they had to do. They had to leave, they had to get home, you know to get back to their church office. But as we were coming out the door, walking on the sidewalk, one pastor, almost in a whisper, he said a very, very low key, so none of the other pastors in front of us or behind us on the sidewalk heard what he said. And he looked at me and he, as we were walking, he said, uh, Pastor Rick, years ago, I had a dream about nuclear war and I know it was from God. And I said, why didn't you speak up? And he goes, I've kept it to myself all these years. Okay. That's, wow. Okay. Ezekiel 33. I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm not keeping it to myself. I will have to stand in front of God and give an account for what I said and did 
with the revelation he gave me for this country. And uh, I'm not telling you nuclear destruction is, uh, you know, predestined. I believe in free will. I believe God is, is saying to America, this is your future if you choose not to repent. It's your choice, America. It's your choice. And with Ezekiel, God was telling Ezekiel, tell the people, speak to the wicked. If the wicked will repent and turn from his or her evil way, God will not bring death and destruction on that person. And he basically says that in verse 10 and 11 there yes. too, Rick. He says, uh, therefore, o thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Or he could say, speak unto the house of America. Thus ye speak, saying, if our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? That phrase, how should we then live, really should be translated in a way saying, why should we continue to exist? If we're going to continue in our sins and pine after our sins, why should we be granted the gift of living? Mm -hmm. God says, but turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why do you want to die? I'm going to ask America, America, why do you want to die in a nuclear war? Why? Why does the American leadership, the ruling class of America, why do they want this nuclear war? Do they not realize they're going to die? Are, are they that deluded by their sin and their arrogance and pride? They think that they have bunkers deep enough in the mountains that they'll survive this nuclear war? What do they think is going to be on the surface when they come up out of their hidey holes? Do they really think that they're going to be able to carry out a, a, a war against Russia and China and somehow they not only survive, but they, they thrive in a post-nuclear war world? What, what kind of delusion is this? They get to be king of the radioactive ash heap right. that's left? At least the Russians are saying there's not going to be anything left. Yes. They know it. In fact, one Russian TV commentator several months ago said, uh, we, meaning the Russians, we'll die and go to heaven. Okay? Because what she was saying was, the Russian people are Christians. We're fighting a righteous battle. We know we're going to die. But we will be in the presence of the Lord. Not so sure about the Americans. That's what she was saying. Right. Not so sure about the Americans. Okay. The Russians are t talking fatalistic. Like they, they know. They've resigned themselves to the fact there's going to be a nuclear war. They have to fight it. Because if they don't fight it, the West is going to destroy them. So they've made up their mind. We're having this war. We have to destroy NATO. Or they'll destroy us. And the world. Because their wickedness will spread throughout the, throughout the whole world. Um, and so they see it as good versus evil. 
And you can quarrel with that, but it doesn't matter. It's how the Russians think. Yes. It's their viewpoint. And when somebody's holding a gun and pointing it towards you, you better try to figure out how that person's thinking because they're the one with the gun. And right now the Russians are saying, we have, we have resigned ourselves to the fact that there's going to be a nuclear war. We're going to be destroyed, but we're going to destroy the West. And it will end. And this craziness, this madness will come to an end. That's what they're saying. We're going to bring America's madness to an end. We ought to be crying out to God, spare us, deliver us from this insanity. Help us, oh God, help us to overthrow the wicked rulers in, in this country that kill your babies and produce and distribute pornography and promote homosexuality and just all kinds of wickedness. Help us, help us, deliver us from this demonic power so that we're not caught up in a nuclear holocaust because we're living in a, a, a sin-obsessed sin nation. The, the people of America should be crying out to God for deliverance from this evil power. But the Russians, I think, have made up their mind. We're just going to get rid of it. We see the Americans as evil. They do evil things. They promote evil. And for the sake of the world, we need to destroy it. That's how they're thinking. Um, Once again, out there watching or listening, you may disagree with that, but that's the way the Russians are thinking right now. Rick, over 20 plus years, you've served as a watchman. There are a lot of people that, and you've never claimed that title. You've just said, you know, uh, I'm not watchman Rick Wiles, but you're fulfilling that role in so many ways. But there's a lot of people out there that revel in that title. Yeah. But they don't have that message, do they? No, they don't. They, they, you rarely hear a watchman call for repentance in our nation. No. No. Rarely hear anybody call for repentance in the country. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, a watchman is the guy that stands on the wall. In ancient times, uh, you know, Doc and I spent two weeks in Jordan. We saw a lot of ancient walls. <laughs> okay. We stood on fortresses on tops of mountains, and you know we, we saw forts and fortresses and stone um, walls. We saw all kinds of things, and the watchman would stand on the wall and look. I mean, think of some of those scenes we saw, Doc, where yes. you could just look. It just seems like forever across the Jordanian desert. And those watchmen would stand and watch hour after hour after hour for any unusual movement. And if he discerned that it was an enemy coming, he would blow the trumpet, wake up the city, wake up the soldiers. They would know by the sound of the trumpet blast what the watchman was saying. They were not to sound an uncertain trumpet. No, they were, everybody was to know when that trumpet sounded, they were, the people were to understand that those notes mean invasion. Those notes 
are telling us an army is approaching. And that's the role of a watchman. And, and um, you know, if you were the watchman during the night, if you had the, the 3 a.m. shift, it was lonely out there. You but you were, still had to watch. You still had to watch. You had the darkest time. You know, if you were watching from midnight to 6 a.m., you, you had the lonely shift. And the most critical time, because everybody's asleep. The watchman's the only one who's awake. Right? So now the lives of everybody is in the hands of the watchman. Because men, women, children, elderly, they're all sleeping. Why? They're trusting that the watchman is doing his job. Is America's watchman doing their job? I don't think so. This, I don't hear too many people warning the American people that nuclear war is on its way um, and sudden destruction is coming upon the land and there must be real repentance, true repentance. has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with ideology. It has to do with being in right standing with Almighty God. And there needs to be a lot of repentance on the political right. There needs to be a lot of repentance among the patriots. There needs to be a lot of repentance on the left. And, and all of the political spectrum, we all need to repent and humble ourselves before the Lord and ask God to forgive this nation's sins. And our sins are many. And to spare the country. But folks, this is coming really fast. Uh, I, I'm going to just be absolutely honest with you. All right, I, have, I have two adult children and I have 10 grandchildren. If I could, if I could get them all rounded up and get them on a plane, I would get them out of here today. Doc, it's not safe to be here. It's not safe. It is not safe to be in America right now. I would stay if the Lord told me, just stay. You know, give up your life, just, you know. And I've, I've made that offer to the Lord and many times. Uh, just please take care of my family. Um, get them out of here. I'll stay. I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice my life. I, it's okay. I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that, right? My, my concern has always, as a watchman, has always been my wife and children and my grandchildren. And, uh, it, but right now, it, if I could get them all rounded up and they would agree and I'd get them on a plane, I would say, run, get out of here. Get out of here now. It's, it's imminent. It's coming. Folks, if you don't, see it coming, you're, you're fooling yourself. You're just fooling yourself. It, this, this war is coming rapidly. And the only thing that's going to stop it is repentance. That's it. Not an election. Nothing. Repentance and mercy. And I don't see it even in the churches. They, you know, a lot of them want war. Yes, it's true, Rick. They, 
a lot of them are believing God is going to destroy Russia. You turn on, just look at the evangelical prophecy websites, and this is the Ezekiel 38. And 39. And 39. But God they is, neglect reading Ezekiel 33. That's right. Which is a direct message to Israel. Yes. And Israel, and we could put America in there too. It's because, you know, uh, we approach the Lord as if we're chosen people, right? Don't mm -hmm. we? As Americans, aren't we consider ourselves chosen? Well, God's going to call us on that. All right, you act like you're chosen. This is the responsibility of a That's chosen right. people. That's right. To live righteously. Right. To live holy. To right. be obedient to me. And they're not doing it. No. So, um, what did I tell you, do you know? Stockpile food, ammo. You can't. You yeah, how, can't mu how much food you do you put away? You can't enough. You can't. There's no way after it's over that you're going to have enough supplies. You're going to wish you were dead. You're going to wish you were dead. You're going to wish you, you went up in the mushroom cloud. This is it's unthinkable what is going to happen in a nuclear war. You don't want to survive it. Um, but people are not taking this seriously. And uh, they, I, guess the, the, I guess the people who do know that the Russians are saying these things are, are just saying, well, they're just blowing smoke. But were they blowing smoke in February? When they said, these are the red lines, we're going to move into Ukraine if we don't back off on this. Mm -hmm. And they said it over and over and over again. And NATO kept cranking that up, ratcheting things up, sending more arms, more weapons, and kept crossing red lines in yes. Ukraine. And Russia said, that's it, that's it, we're done. Yes. And they moved in. Yes. And then the, the uh, Western news propaganda operations immediately uh, blamed Russia for the war and said, there, there, look at that, the Russians. Russia. We told you they were gonna invade, yeah, because you provoked them for years and dared them to invade and refuse to treat them with respect, refuse to sit down at a negotiation table and, and give Russia the guarantee of its national security on its border. And they finally came to the conclusion the West wants a war. And we saw that in the statements of Russian diplomats and military and political figures somewhere in late December, early January, where they just resigned to the fact the West wants a war. And they knew this is going to happen. A lot of people are going to die. We're going to do it. Now the Russians are saying, we're going to have to nuke not just the United States, NATO. Yes. NATO, Canada, Great Britain, France, like all the NATO countries, Western Europe. They said, we're going to have to demilitarize NATO. We're going to have to remove all their weapon systems. What does that look like the next day? Because it's all going to happen really fast. Once the first nuke goes off, it, it's going to happen really fast. The war will be over in minutes. Not years, not months, minutes. It's unthinkable. 
It's unthinkable. Yet I'm telling you, folks, you're going to if you turn on Fox News tonight or CNN or MSNBC, their so-called experts and their show hosts are going to be calling for war. More war. Yes. More more weapons. Yes. Let's let's crank it up even more. Let's send more of. And you'll have Democrat senators and Democrat uh, Republican senators calling for more weapons to go to Ukraine. Um, it, it is madness. Anybody survives it, in the aftermath, they're going to wonder, what were we thinking? We we saw it coming and we didn't stop it. Um, the survivors in the world will have to rebuild the world. Let me show you some of the other things coming. Sky News, um, six million homes, this is uh, in the UK, yes. could face winter power cuts due to energy shortages. Well, what caused the energy shortage in the UK? The sanctions on Russia. Yeah. So, so West put sanctions on Russia, and then Russia said, well, we're cutting off we're cutting off the supply of, of Russian oil and natural gas. Right. So in this article here, we have ministers have been warned of potential power cuts to as many as six million households this winter. That's in the UK alone, according to reports. Government modeling of a reasonable worst case scenario predicts major gas shortages in winter if Russia cuts off more supplies to the EU, the Times Okay, says. so that's a reasonable worst case scenario. Right. What's a unreasonable worst-case scenario. A whole quick. lot more than that, Rick. Um, limits could be imposed on the industrial use of gas, including on gas-fired power stations, causing electricity shortages, and six million homes could see their electricity rationed in curbs that may last more than a month, mostly at peaks in the morning and evening. Worse modeling is reported for a scenario in which Russia cuts off all supplies to the EU. A Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy spokesperson told the PA News Agency the UK has no issues with either gas or electricity supply and the government is fully prepared for any scenario, even those that are extreme and very unlikely to pass. Thanks to a massive $90 billion investment in renewable energy in the last decade, we have one of the most reliable and diverse energy systems in the world. And unlike Europe, we are not dependent on Russian energy imports. They, right. they Does that qualify as political baloney? Gobbledygook, yes. Uh, political gobbledygook. Oh, yeah, the Russians are cutting off uh, gas and oil, electricity. But it's not going to bother us. Yeah, because we've, we've invested in renewable energy. We, we've got windmills. They're going to protect us moving forward. So, um, no, this is a Pollyanna approach to this, Rick. And so... Um, and this is what's happening now. You're going to see more and more restrictions. Uh, this is from South China Morning Post. This is happening today. Russia halts gas supplies to the Netherlands. Denmark is next on the list, Rick. And so that's happening right now. Now, it only impacts 16 to 20 percent of all the fuel coming to the Netherlands. But even under the current situation, a cut like that is going to be catastrophic to the Netherlands. Well, it means a 16 to 20 percent reduction in in usage. It has to be made up somewhere, right? Unless you have a a magical source to replace it overnight, then there has to be a 16 to 20 percent 
reduction in the consumption of energy in those two countries. And why is the Netherlands experiencing this? Why is Germany experiencing this? Well, France 24 uh, is reporting. We got a short uh, video from this. So the EU has made the approach now that they're going to agree on Russian sanctions. One of the holdouts has been Hungary and Estonia uh, because they rely heavily on Russian gas and they've been using their veto power in order to keep this uh, agreement uh, from going into effect. Because they don't want to shiver all winter. Right. But the EU has allowed for there to be kind of passes for Hungary, Estonia, and a couple other countries so they can continue to uh, receive Russian fuel, but we're still going to put sanctions on Russia. Mm -hmm. So this is France 24 with that report. And for more, let's cross to Brussels and correspondent Dave Keating. Uh, Dave, are those sanctions going to work? I mean, this is a big step because it is affecting 25% of the EU's oil imports. And uh, oil imports are actually Russia's main way of making money. Uh, while the EU is more dependent on Russian gas, about 45% of gas imports, Russia actually makes less money from its gas ex exports. So this measure is able to hurt Russia maximally while hurting the EU minimally uh, when compared with the possibility of a gas embargo. This is going to have a big effect on Russia, but it could also have a big blowback effect on the EU. It is going to have a significant impact on the energy markets here. What exactly it's going to do, we're just going to have to sit back, wait, and see. Now, there's no getting over the fact that this is only a partial embargo. It is affecting only two-thirds of Russian imports, only the imports that come by sea, all pipeline imports, which are one-third of Russian oil imports are exempt. However, Germany and Poland have promised verbally not to use this exemption. They say they will phase out all Russian oil, including pipeline oil, by the end of the year along with everyone else. So that leaves just Czechia, Slovakia, and Hungary making use of this exemption. That represents about 10% of the EU's Russian oil imports, which is not a huge amount. This is maybe not as good of a look as it would have been to have a complete embargo, but at the same time, 90% is still pretty high. 90% still pretty high, Dave. I'm reading you here the reaction of Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, in the last hour saying, when over 50 days have passed between the fifth and sixth sanctions packages, the situation is not acceptable uh, for us. Uh, going forward, is there a way to make 27 nations agree on something so big? I mean, not without treaty change. What he's referring to there is that really the only thing that took so long here is that Hungary was blocking it. And the EU kept making new offers to Hungary about how it would end its veto. Finally, this compromise floated over the weekend that they would exempt all pipeline imports, was able to get past that veto threat. But as long as individual countries are able to exercise their veto power over foreign policy issues, any single EU leader can hold the rest of the union to ransom. There's not a whole lot they can do about it. And we know that Hungary is not singing from the same hymn sheet on the subject of Ukraine as all other 26 EU countries. It is very much alone here. So going forward, this is going to continue to be a difficulty. It would continue to be a difficulty if they now start considering a seventh sanctions package. I'm hearing uh, varied 
uh, accounts of whether that's really a realistic possibility at this point. Uh, but certainly Hungary is going to remain a problem because Viktor Orban just does not agree with the other EU leaders uh, about their perspective on this war. Doc, I, I read a, an article in the Wall Street Journal today. The European Union has also, the sanctions will prohibit uh, insurance companies like Lloyd's of London yes. from covering uh, ships that are carrying Russian oil. Well, that's a big deal. Well, if, you, you've, if, a, if, if a shipping company has no insurance on the ship, they're not going to leave the port. No. That's all there is to it. Because um, the, the ship becomes a target then for a uh, terrorist attack, a, a covert commando attack, and the, the, the shipper has no insurance coverage. And so a multi-million dollar ship can sink and there's no recovery. So uh, this is what the Wall Street Journal said today. So the uh, European Union's pledge to ban most Russian oils, forcing it to rewire an economy uh, that is geared to run on cheap Russian fuel and threatens to deprive Moscow of revenue from its most valuable export. Uh, these sanctions are set to include a ban on insuring ships that carry Russian oil. Officials and diplomats familiar with the measure said a move designed to strangle Russia's access to international oil markets. Senior EU officials are expected to sign off on the oil embargo in the coming days, raising the intensity of the bloc's economic retaliation against Russia for the war in Ukraine. Leaders of EU member states said late Monday that they had agreed in principle to ban Russian crude and refined fuels that arrive on ships, which accounts for at least two-thirds of imports from Russia. Now, oil traders and ship owners say stopping European companies from insuring tankers carrying Moscow's oil is among the most severe financial weapons the EU has at its disposal to, er to hurt the Russian economy. Few companies are willing to transport oil on uninsured tankers, and a ban on insurance was effective in stemming Iranian oil exports as part of efforts to force Tehran to negotiate, uh, negotiate its nuclear program a decade ago. Now, uh, as Rick mentioned, <clears throat> these uh, ships, they have to be insured to in case something happens to them. And the primary uh, insurer for a lot of these ships uh, has been a company called Lloyd's of London. Mm -hmm. uh, Lloyd's of London, they insured, insured just about anything. They were only the parent company of Lloyd's of London has been around since the East India com yes. uh, uh, you know, company days. So you were talking 1600s, 1700s. Right. And they've been insuring ships through, through the centuries. So this is a big step. It's one thing to do it on Iran, but we're talking on a major world power with nuclear weapons. Right. And now you've just put a noose around their neck mm -hmm. and said, we're going to start tightening it. That's right. And so uh, this from the Financial Times, uh, the UK and EU hit Russian oil cargoes with insurance ban. It says um, the UK and EU have agreed a coordinated ban on insuring ships carrying Russian oil, shutting Moscow out of vital Lloyd's of London insurance market and sharply curbing its ability to export crude. Lloyd's has been the heart of the marine insurance industry for centuries, and blocking its members from insuring Russian oil cargoes will pile more pressure on global commodity markets, which have been in turmoil since Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. So, Rick, at what point is Russia going to say, that's enough? That's enough. That's the final straw. We, we I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. 
I, I really am, Doc. I, I'm surprised we made it this far. But every week, the West adds more pain to Russia. And they foolishly think the Russians are going to back down and um, roll over it like a little puppy. They're not going to do it. They're going to strike us. Are Western leaders, are they that deluded? Does their arrogance really make them think they're going to force Russia to back down? Because they, they've been bullies all over the world for decades. Right. And countries have backed down. But this time, I think Russia will say, we're not backing down. This is it. We're, we're going to draw the line. We're going to stand. We're, we're going to fight. And we are prepared to die. Mass death. We're prepared to see our entire country obliterated, but we will make sure America is obliterated also. I think that's the Russian mentality. The American mentality seems to be, we're the Americans. We can do anything we want. People will obey us. We've got power. We've got clout. Um, We've got nukes. Yeah, we, we put enough pain on them, they're going to give in. Nobody, nobody really will fight. I think that's their thinking. Nobody really will fight us. Oh, I think you're wrong. I think they've told us over and over they're, they're going to hit us. And it could be at any day. We're seeing the, the effect on the economy of Europe. Um, Sky News, uh, fuel prices hit new record after the EU ban on Russian oil. That says it right there. The reason why petrol prices are so high is because of the EU ban. Not because of Vladimir Putin, not because he said something mean or did something bad, but because of the sanctions that we put on Russia because of it. Doc, the, the, the other evening, I guess it was Friday evening, I went home, and I wasn't, my tank wasn't completely empty. Um, I, I, I don't know, maybe less than a quarter tank of fuel was left in it. But my... Uh, my fuel bill at the gas pump was over $98. I'm just standing there watching the numbers. $60, $70, $80, oh, yes. $90, and it stops at 98 But I, I didn't have a completely empty tank. I'm like, how are people on low incomes paying for fuel right now? And that's who sanctions impact the most those who have less to yes. work with. And so it's, it's a difficult situation. The sanctions are meant to, they're, they're, they're a weapon of war. Let's be clear about that. Sanctions have always been a weapon of war. And unfortunately, the people that are impacted the most by sanctions are usually those at the lower end of the economic spectrum. That's right. So those of us here in America, we know how inflation has uh, taken off uh, astronomical figures right now, thanks to Joe Biden and the ruling class of America. Uh, but this uh, inflation is hitting Western Europe also. So uh, CNBC reporting Eurozone inflation hits yet another record high as food and energy prices soar. Look at that, 8.1% for the month. Right. And this was a shock to them because they had been forecasting it at around 7.8%. This is for the whole EU. That's high in <laughs> itself. Um, but individual countries are experiencing, you know, a, 
a big impact. Germany, right now, 8.7 for the month. Um, you've also seen uh, French, uh, France, they were only expecting a 4% inflation hike. It was actually 5.8%. So all these numbers across the EU add up after a while. Doc, so, if, uh, inflation in the U.S. and Europe, you know, in the... Oh, Europe is 8%. What are we here? Uh, 10? Are we 10% now? If they're going to tell us. If they're going to tell us. Yes. In Russia, is nearly 18%. That's this right. uh, report from oilprice.com. Yeah. Double-digit inflation prompts Russia to raise wages and pensions. So the Russian government had to do something this week to um, try to keep their people in line. And uh, the article says that uh, the federal Russian government will increase minimum wages and pensions from June 1st as it seeks to counter the effects of double-digit inflation closely linked to Western sanctions. Inflation, inflation in Russia stood at an annual 17.83%. Wow. Incredible, Rick. 18% inflation in just, well, figured out over the whole year. Uh, that that has to be painful, and it is. And so the the people of Russia are going to be applying pressure to their government. Do something. It's breaking us. Do something. Well, the Russian government's going to do something. They're, they're going to open gonna, up the markets. They're going to strike America and the West. So it's not just the USA. It's they're going to. They talk today about demilitarizing NATO. If you live in a NATO nation, you're going to get a hit. You're going to get multiple warheads. They've got over 6,000. They got plenty. They got more than we do. They got plenty to spread around on NATO nations. Take how many NATO nations there are and, and, and divide, you know, 6,000 warheads. All right? They got plenty. There won't be anything left of NATO nations. Gone. Gone. Completely obliterated. And the Russians will say, we, we may get, we'll probably get obliterated too. But we know this, NATO won't exist the next day. It will not be on the face of the earth to bully one more nation. It will be gone. And that's what I want people in this country to contemplate, to comprehend the utter destruction of NATO because of the arrogance of Western leaders. And their arrogance is from sin. Pride. Pride is the chief sin. Yes. It is the chief sin. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, another portion of Ukraine fell to Russia. Um, this uh, Kherson region. Yes, and as a matter of fact, this region in uh, Ukraine is actually voting to join the Russian Federation. Yeah. It's this in is, South Ukraine. Right. It's got a, it has a uh, deep water port and it uh, uh, has shipbuilding. Yes. And and a lot of industrial uh, facilities there. And it is going to, it's not that Russia is annexing it, the, the, they're the government there to, is choosing to join Russia. That's right. The authorities of the Kherson region intend to raise the issue of the region entering the Russian Federation in the near future in order for it to become Russia's full-fledged territorial entity. Kirill Stermosov, deputy head of the Kherson region's military civilian administration, told TASS on Tuesday 
Kherson region intends to accede to the Russian Federation in the near future, becoming its full-fledged constituent, the official said. Much like Crimea did several yes. years ago. All right. So uh, who is winning the Ukraine-Russia war? Well, if you watch CNN or Fox or any of those outlets, you'd think it's the brave Ukrainians that are winning every, uh, every battle and uh, no one dies and everybody gets medals and they get to do Zoom calls with, all, with people all over the world. I've never, the heard, I've never heard a casualty report on the Ukrainian military. Have you heard any? Only from the Russians. Yeah, but I'm talking about in Western media. No, they don't talk about that, Rick. They don't talk about the Ukrainians dying especially brave Ukrainian soldiers. They just do Zoom calls all the time. Oh, I did read today the Ukrainian LGBTQ brigade is marching out. <laughs> I'm afraid to encounter that brigade. And so, yeah. the, and I don't think the Russians would be afraid, though. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, Far East. South China Morning Post reporting uh, Chinese PLA aircraft put on a show of force as a U.S. delegation landed in Taiwan. Yes, uh, Taiwan, uh, excuse me, Taiwan reported a record nine types of PLA aircraft, including a rarely seen jet entering its air defense zone on Monday as a U.S. delegation made an unannounced visit to Taipei. According to Taiwan's defense ministry, 30 PLA uh, aircraft made sorties into the area and the highest daily total since January 23rd when 39 aircraft made similar flights. The aircraft included two Su-35 fighters. Those are Russian-built fighters which have rarely taken part in patrols to put pressure on the island. Now, China was the first international customer of the Russian-made Su-35 and bought 24 of the aircraft, which soon joined the PLA on patrol in the South China Sea. The other planes were two KJ-500 early warning and control aircraft, four Y-8 electronic intelligence aircraft, one Y-8 electronic warcraft aircraft, one Y-8 anti-submarine aircraft, six J-16 fighters, eight J-11 fighters, four J-10 fighters, and two SU fighters. Put them all together, any uh, these combined, Rick, in a single day would overwhelm Taiwan. Yes. In, in an hour, if China so chose. But it's interesting that they brought out the, uh, uh, the SU-35s mm -hmm. in the story. Um, China has had a long uh, relationship with Russia on acquiring these Su-35s. Mm -hmm. It's been about 25 years in mm -hmm. development. Now all these deals are starting to come mm -hmm. to fruition. In other words, uh, these Su-35s started being delivered several years ago, and now they're being, being put in active service in mm -hmm. the Chinese military. And so, um, so that relationship between China and Russia is one that's not going to fall apart anytime right. soon. It's... Um very conceivable that we have a war that involves Russia and NATO, China and Taiwan, and which, then would, which would then bring in the United States. The United States would be fighting two wars. And then throw North Korea in there. North Korea and South Korea, and then Iran and Israel. This week, Doc, is the Israeli U.S. joint military drill in Cyprus, where they're practicing bombing runs, the United States and Israel jointly bombing Iran. And those, those military drills are taking place this week in Cyprus. 
It's so we have another theater for this world war. Right. It's sounding to me like the only place that's not going to be impacted by world war, at least not directly, is going to be the continent of Africa because they're going to be fighting everywhere else. Because when you South bring, America, I don't think... Well, you got Venezuela. They're going to be drawn into all of this with Iran and with China and Russia as well. Yeah, maybe, so, maybe. If they were smart, they'd be real quiet. And they have SU-35s in Venezuela, too. Yeah. So, um, But, yeah, I think s south of the equator will miss a lot of the uh, warfare. Um, but uh, the west, the northern, north of the equator... I, I think it's going to be toast. It's just, I mean, we may see the only thing left on the planet is south of the equator. But you're going to have, you're going to have a nuclear winter. And I still believe we're, we're, we've already entered an ice age. Um, in fact, uh, another story here, this is Fox Business News, U.S. wheat crop hurt by dry winter and spring heavy rain. That's not the result of global warming. That's the result of global cooling. Yes. You can go back through history and, and read about this. Uh, so the UN is saying that the Russian-Ukraine wars is impacting grain, oils, fuel, and fertilizer, and that could force millions into famine. Well, I think it's coincidence that it's happening at the same time that the global cooling cycle is right. ramping up. Wars and droughts and... Uh, global cooling go hand in hand, and mm -hmm. they have throughout history. Yes. So, um, Bloomberg has this article, Rick. Now, even chicken is getting too expensive. You might have noticed this at your uh, local grocery store. The world's most popular meat has succumbed to inflation, and that's what happens when you have three pandemics coinciding with a drought. So, uh, if you look back through history, once again, when you have pandemics and epidemics and drought, that coincides with global cooling cycles, not global warming cycles. That's why they had to change the narrative a few years back and call it climate change instead of global warming. Right. So, Doc, we have uh, the U.S. government, the Biden administration, has shut down America's biggest manufacturing plant of baby formula. Mm -hmm. um, Abbott Laboratory in Michigan uh, shut down in February by the Biden administration. So. Grocery store shelves are empty. Moms are scurrying around trying to find baby formula. By the way, you can make your own baby formula, and it, it'll be a lot healthier than that um, sugar water that, uh, that they sell to moms in grocery stores. So you know, learn, yeah, go online and find a healthy recipe. Make your own baby formula. Um, you know, it's, it's probably not going to be out there in the stores for a long, long time, if ever. Uh, so we have, we have a shortage of baby food formula. We have um, you know, grain, uh, wheat going into a shortage, corn shortage. Then we have we, fertilizer shortage. Fertili fertilizer shortage. And, uh, and, and we've seen um, mysterious fires yes. at food processing plants that uh, have occurred throughout the United States. And... Uh, you know, I'm not trying to get into some, you know, off-wall conspiracy theory, but folks, listen, if we're in a world war, you have to consider the possibility that commandos from other countries are 
are setting fires in our food processing plants. Right. You've got to right. consider that possibility. We're in war. We're in a state of war. So uh, Doc mentioned that the uh, price of chicken is uh, going up higher. We've got a bird flu uh, virus that's uh, popping up in a number of poultry producing states. And they have to cull those herds, when yes. those, those flocks of birds, whenever they find that. But yeah. now we're seeing uh, mysterious fires at chicken farms. That's right. So this is from uh, CBS Minnesota. Tens of thousands of chickens killed in Wright County egg farm fire. This is in Wright County, Minnesota. Uh, once again, you just have to ask yourself the question, why are there suddenly all these fires at all these different food processing plants, um, chicken farms, things like that? Here's a report from uh, CBS Minnesota talking about this particular fire. Massive flames burned down a barn with tens of thousands of chickens inside in Wright County overnight. The fire happened at Forsman Farms in Howard Lake, causing major damage. You see the smoke still smoldering there. As Kirsten Mitchell shows us, neighbors watched it burn well into the night. It was just unbelievable how quick it grew. It was insane. The Trebesh family thought they'd spend their Saturday night around their bonfire. We stood up and turned around and was like, Whoa. But just after 10, they noticed massive flames across the field at Forsman Farms. It was the whole sky. It was quite large. They called 911. And mostly volunteer firefighters from across the county showed up. At one point, they were all 200 feet high, double the height of the building. And every gust of wind, you could just see the flame building. It was pretty incredible. A barn housing tens of thousands of chickens was leveled in what a farm spokesperson calls a tragic accident. Forsman Farms started in 1918 and now the fourth generation family farm sells more than three million eggs per day to some of the nation's largest retailers. They said in part, no one was injured and we are grateful that first responders were quickly on scene to put out the fire. Unfortunately, chickens were lost because of the fire. It's kind of a hard hit because we're already struggling, you know, with with the eggs and, and the cost of stuff and and that takes kind of a bite out of the market. Eddie Olson heard it on his scanner. Fires are scary in general, but when you see something of that scale, you know, out of control, it's just hard to, you know, think about the chickens, the company, you know, people that work there. A big hit in a small town. We know how big of a loss it is for, you know, a big company like that and the family and, you know, I mean, it, everybody knows everybody. We know people in the fire department. We go to school with these people, so. It's, it's a big loss. In Wright County, Kirsten Mitchell, WCCO 4 News. The farm is still evaluating the extent of the damage as investigators work to determine its cause. All right, so, Doc, um, this, this tragic fire has removed 3 million eggs per day from the market. That's over 90 million eggs per month gone. Not going to be back next week or next month maybe several years. So that is a long-term reduction in the egg supply in America. And then you think of all the things that are made with eggs, um, all the products, uh, you've got breads, you've got everything, you know, a, a whole array of products. So it, it, it's not just, you yes. know, the, the egg you get at breakfast, it's across the whole food industry. That's right. So there's a serious reduction in the supply of eggs in the country, which means eggs are going up if you can uh, 
if you live in a place where you can raise chickens, you might want to build a little chicken house on your property, which is what I'm doing. Uh, I've got a little building. I'm going to convert it. It's going to become a chicken condo. Oh, right. Okay. I know the building you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm so. turn, going to turn that thing into a chicken condo, and um, uh, I'm going to have uh, I'll have eggs because I think eggs are going to disappear uh, from grocery stores. You know, people are going to go to the grocery stores, and it's just not going to be the eggs there. You go there for days and days and days, and maybe see one dozen of eggs on the shelf that people are going to grab. That's where we're headed. What if we start seeing a series of fires at, at poultry farms, at egg-producing farms? Okay, so those chickens were, were, those were laying chickens for eggs. Right. Uh, but what if we start seeing fires appearing at other places? Uh, suddenly there can be a dramatic reduction in the supply of eggs in the country. And you know, just moving a few of these things off the needle just a little bit, two, three percent, can disrupt the entire economy. We saw the story last week that ranchers are talking about culling their herds because of the drought out west. Well, that may not be a big number, but you add that up across the entire economy, all these things start having a domino effect. So, A year um, from now, uh, our lifestyle is going to be very, very different. Your lifestyle is going to be, assuming we don't have a war, but with these shortages, our lifestyle is going to be very different. You were talking about inflation and the shortages. You were talking about sticker shock at uh, the gas pump. Mm -hmm. I had a bit of a sticker shock uh, Friday evening when my wife and I went out to lunch to a favorite Chinese Mm -hmm. restaurant uh, that you like to go to occasionally Mm -hmm. too that has black pepper chicken. Um, And I looked at the menu board and I was like, that's a big jump in price. We're talking $2 per menu item jump from like a you know, classic combo, something like that. Mm-hmm. A $2 jump. Yes. Where a very simple meal, $9. Yes. And whereas just a few weeks ago, I know it was 7 I what's know the, it was. What's the, in your mind, what's the average price for a Mexican burrito? Um, I don't know. I would say four or five dollars. Okay, that's what I would think. So, over the weekend, I, I bought burritos at a small little Mexican restaurant. Um, you know, handmade, n- nice little place there. Uh, thinking in my mind, okay, so I bought them for my whole family. So you know, like we're having a little birthday party, and you know, I thought, well, Bob, I'll buy. I'll buy 10 burritos, you know, got um, people coming over. Um, the bill was over $100. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, how much are these burritos? They were almost $10 each, Doc, for a burrito. And I'm like, how, how long are people going to continue paying? Because that, that hit me. It's like, oh, wow. I now have to ask before I buy a food item. Just what is the price as of oh, this hour? Right. Okay. Because you're going to see prices going up daily, and you're going to start making choices. Will I buy as much? Right. I'm going to start cutting it down, and that impacts the retailer. Yes. <laughs> 
because they had to raise their prices because of the cost to them, yes. but at the same time, That's right. the customer says, you know, I don't want to pay $100 to feed all my grandkids. That's right. Maybe I can do it for 50 That's right. and buy some rice or something. That's right. So uh, those are choices and, and, and decisions people are going to start to make. That's right. Our lifestyle is going to change in the coming year. I think a lot of people, Memorial Day weekend, everybody wanted to travel, everybody wanted to get out, but then they had to put gas in their, ga in their gas tank. Mm -hmm. And when they saw $100 fill-ups out there, they're probably not going to be traveling the rest of the summer, are they? No, they're not. Nope. So, uh, it's already impacting us. We're in World War III. Yes, and this is going to have a long-lasting impact, even if we don't go to war. There's going to be shortages and high prices for years to come. Um, your only hope is Jesus Christ. Turn to him now. Um, if you're not saved, if your sins are not forgiven, do not go to bed tonight unsaved. Get things right with God. Pray to your, your maker in heaven and just confess that you're a sinner and you've heard the gospel that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Believe on his name. Believe that he is the savior of the world. Ask God to forgive your sins and to write your name in the book of life. And then promise God you'll find a church that will baptize you in water. Uh, get this done and let that household salvation spread through your whole family. That everybody in your family gets saved. You be the first one to make the move. And let the Holy Spirit begin working on your relatives and your friends and your neighbors. Don't put it off anymore. Uh, if you are a believer, then um, do a heart check. Make sure everything's okay in your life. That you're, if, if you died tonight, everything would be okay between you and the Lord. And have nothing you have to answer for, okay? And uh, also become a generous giver. Because givers will go through these hard times. Uh, the Lord will take care of us. Those of us who are givers, we're not afraid. We know how to uh, tighten our belt. We know how to cut expenses. We know how to go without certain things. And, uh, but we also know that when we give, our, our cupboard stays full. Our pantry stays full. Um, the work of our hands is blessed. Uh, so the circumstances around us may change, may be altered, but uh, what is prosperity? Prosperity is having more than enough to do God's will in your life. And those who are generous givers are prosperous. So um, those of you who know what I'm talking about, you're smiling, saying, yes, I've been giving for a long, long yes. time, and I plan to keep on giving. If you've never been a giver, now's a good time to start. Hard times are coming, and uh, givers will get through it. And givers will take care of others who are not givers. Right. That's one of the, so it's like this. Do you want to be a giver who takes care of people who don't give, or do you want to be a person who doesn't give, who needs a giver to take care of you? <laughs> Which one do you want to be? And hope you can find a giver. Yes. Which one do you want to be? You're going to be one or the other. You're going to be one or the other. Be a giver. And uh, the Lord, see, the Lord takes care of the givers. And uh, we're all taking care of somebody. And the Lord takes care of the givers. That's my advice for today. Love you very much. I'll be back here tomorrow. God bless you.